0: Well, hello there, my friend, and welcome to today's episode of 7-Figure Millennials, where together, you and I are on a mission to figure out how we can prioritize our happiness, health, and relationships as we make our biggest entrepreneurial dreams a reality. And as I always like to say, if this is your very first episode, welcome. I'm beyond excited to have you here. And if you're returning, hugs, high fives, all that good stuff, you know how much I appreciate you coming back week after week. And today, you and I get to hang out with Giovanni Marsico. Giovanni is the founder of Archangel, the world's largest community of entrepreneurs, coaches, and changemakers on a mission to change lives, change ourselves, and change the world. He's had 25,000 plus people attend his live events, thousands transformed with his coaching programs, and is now the host of The Gifted Show, an episodic podcast experience that helps you share your gift with the world. Giovanni has also created a new genre of film real life superhero movies and his first documentary dreamer has won three Emmy awards. In this episode, you're going to learn so much, but as always, I want you to look out for three specific things. Number one, how Giovanni went from being bullied as a kid to becoming the real-life Dr. Xavier from X-Men, where he now leads a universe of over 10,000 entrepreneurs who are changing themselves and changing the world. Number two, how you can uncover your superpower and then share your vision for the world in a way that inspires people. And number three, Giovanni shares three different ways that you can increase your prices and add more value to the people that you serve so all of that to look forward to in today's episode but before we dive in i want to give a pre-show listener shout out which this week goes to peace alone who left a review on apple podcast saying awesome guests and great questions think that's Brandon's secret sauce and why everyone should listen. Not only does he bring on great guests, but his questions are fantastic and makes things highly actionable. So thank you so much for those incredible words, Peace Alone. And if you're listening to my voice and you are a returning listener and you haven't had a chance to leave a review yet, here's what I'm asking. If you want to leave a review like Peace Alone did, that would be great. But if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, all you have to do is to scroll up or down and there should be a place for you to tap a rating. Uh, Tap however many stars you feel my show is deserving. And if you choose to leave a review, that would be great. I would appreciate that. And uh, if you do happen to be listening and you're not listening on Apple or Spotify, you can also go to ratethispodcast.com slash 7FM to find out how to leave a review. But if you choose to do that or not, I appreciate you for hanging out with us. And I hope you enjoy this incredible conversation with the one, the only Giovanni Marsico. If you had to pick between A, making a ton of money, B, being happy, healthy, and surrounded with people you love, or C, making a meaningful impact on the world, which would you choose? The good news is that today, we don't have to choose. So the question is, how can entrepreneurs like you and me, who have a vision for our lives and aren't willing to settle for anything less, how can we become financially successful and have a big impact while prioritizing our happiness, health, and relationships? You and I are on a mission to find out, and we have an incredible journey ahead of us. My name is Brandon Fong, and welcome to the 7 Bigger Millennials podcast. Giovanni, welcome to the show. Super excited to have you here, my friend.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Brandon.
0: Yes, and a huge shout out to Mr. Neil Moore for making this incredible introduction. Uh, We wouldn't be having this conversation if it weren't for his genius in connecting other people. So super excited to dive in, and I know uh, you have this whole theme of superheroes, and you study so much about story and mythology, so I wanted to go back to one of your early stories. So let's go back to fifth grade. The year is 1986. You're 10 years old. The school does an IQ test, and you get your results back. What happens next, Giovanni?
1: So I scored really high, and they labeled me as gifted. And uh, right away, they said, okay, you have your 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 everyday school, but once a week, we're going to bus you to a different school for a gifted class, and you'll be around other gifted kids. And that was awesome. But when I came back to my regular school every week, I'd be bullied for being too smart. And it was a really weird thing. And painful, and I uh, I would come home crying to my parents asking, why is this happening? And developed a almost hatred for the word gifted. Because it made me stand out, and it was why I was picked on. And as a kid, I I didn't understand it. And, uh, you know, fast forward to high school. And this is in the early 90s. I I fell in love with comic books. Uh, So around that time if you were into superheroes, it wasn't cool. Like it is now you were called a nerd or a geek or one of those words. And those weren't cool either. <laughs> now they are, but, uh, so I had to read those things in private. And I remember the first time I, you know, I loved Spider-Man and all the ones we all know, but I, the first X-Men comic book that I opened on the very first page that I saw is said, Xavier's school for gifted youngsters. And it's part of that whole storyline. And and there was that word I hated, and now it meant superpower. And it, it was a, a paradigm shift, and it completely changed everything for me, because now the word I learned to hate, I actually loved. Because in the storylines, it was about um, people who had something extraordinary about them, but they didn't know how to understand it, and they hated it. And when Professor X, the leader of the X-Men, said, no, wait a minute, let's you you are special. You are extraordinary. Let's actually turn that curse into a gift. Let's turn it into a superpower and let's help other people. And that's been my storyline. And that's, you know, the, the business I currently run and everything I do is based off of that idea that we are all gifted. We all have a superpower and then we can use it to help other people. So when I, when I was in high school, I told my friends when I grow up, I want to uh, lead a team of superheroes, which was a hilarious joke to them. And now I do that. Uh, and it's really crazy how awesome things have unfolded.
0: Mm-hmm. In preparation for this, I decided to watch the first scene from X-Men where Logan <laughs> is going through the, the walls of the uh, you know School of Gifted Youngsters. And so I was getting psyched up for this so we could dive into your superhero story. And we're going to just to plant some seeds for everyone listening, we're going to talk a lot about today. Uh, with how to find your superpower and how you can leverage that to grow your business and create a meaningful impact on the world. But before we get into that, I want to get to a little bit more of your story. And I, I wanted to um, highlight something that happened Around 1994, uh, so you are known for creating these incredible events, and this started at a young age for you. You were selling out arenas, um, <laughs> and and so you you it started in high school though. And you you tell the story about sitting on a Creative Records after one of these events with your best friend Steve. So tell us a little bit about that, and then what your parents said to you after that.
1: Yeah, so I was 16 years old in high school, started to go out for fun, attending parties. And fell in love with it like dance parties, and thought, "Wait, I can, I can do this." And uh, my best friend and I uh, put our heads together and said let's let's produce our own event." And I, uh, I still say I don't know how we got away with a lot of the things we did, but we actually rented a, an Italian banquet hall where people get married. <laughs> and how did two 16 year olds get away with this? I don't know, but we did that, and we had we, we planned and produced our first event. We had a thousand people show up. Um, and we, we actually created a network of promoters, uh, in high schools across Toronto, which is the city I grew up in, in in Canada. And this is before the internet. So there was no email, there was no social media. It was old school flyers and word of mouth. And that turned into doing our next event the year after with another thousand people and then 3000. And and then a few years later, like 5,000 people every week at a giant nightclub that we were running. And the idea was, um, you know, at the, at the time rave culture was big and there was a lot of drugs and stuff happening. And we thought, well, let's do the opposite of that. Let's create a safe space for kids to come and party, no alcohol, no drugs, just have fun. And that's what we were doing back then. So I, I uncovered one of my, I think gifts, which is bringing people together in a safe way to connect and, and enjoy each other's, um company and experience and community.
0: Mm. So you have that experience and then you tell your parents how you, excited you are about all this stuff. What is yeah. their what is their reaction to you telling you about them about that?
1: The specific phrase was or there was two phrases, stop dreaming and get your head out of the clouds. And I appreciate it because they they were immigrants. They came from Italy to Canada and they wanted me to go on a specific path that they were told was the best thing, which is graduate get a college degree kind of thing, get a great job with benefits and, and the safe path in that direction. And they wanted the best for me. And yet I think when you are an artist or an entrepreneur or a creative or someone in this realm, uh, often we are unemployable uh, and, and we have to just uncover our own path. And I think I had the blessing of figuring this out early, but I didn't understand it back then. So that led me to stop doing events and, and getting jobs and I never felt fulfilled. Uh, and, and, you know, now looking back, all of those things were necessary to get me to where I am. But I think there's a lot of people who may be feeling anxious or depressed or, or negatively charged emotions because their current path or what they're currently doing isn't aligned with their higher path. Mm. And it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. It doesn't mean you're broken. It doesn't mean uh, there. We, we put these definitions on on those experiences. I just think it, it's a clue. It's like it's like we have an internal GPS of truth guiding us, and right now that the needle isn't pointing in the right direction.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I don't, I don't, I'm depending whether or not I want to go here. I know you talk about your your body being a GPS for yeah. you and you being able to tell alignment. So maybe I'll, I'll go there. But I want to kind of conclude on this topic of you showing this gift and this genius at a very young age. Because I would assume you can correct me if I'm wrong. But if I was, if I'm wrong, but at the time you probably didn't think it was that. I mean, obviously you saw a thousand people that you like excited about that. But you probably didn't even realize at that point that that was it completely not normal that you had that ability. Is that something that you would resonate with? Or did you actually notice it at the time that that was a superpower of yours?
1: Um, It's, it's hard to remember what I was thinking. I I, I think I, I knew there was something special or different that not everyone could do what I was doing. And at the same time, even throughout the past few decades, the things that I now recognize as gifts are things that came so naturally or, or things that, Made me stood, stand out, uh, but I just assumed everyone was like me. So I didn't, I, I didn't recognize it or understand the differentiation until I had external feedback from people constantly saying, well, you're so good, for example. You're so good at, connect, at connecting people. You're, you're such a great connector. You're a super connector. And, and I would always think, well, but it's so easy. How, how is this possibly a gift if, it just, if it's so easy for me and doesn't ever, anyone can do what I'm doing? And then I realized, wait a minute, maybe there's something, the thing I can't see because it's so natural. And what if I actually, even though it comes easy, what if I harnessed this? What if I trained this? And that's how I think a gift can become a superpower. If you take something that either lights you up or you're fascinated with, or comes naturally to you or, uh, energizes you and charges your batteries and then, uh, see it as a strength, but then strengthen the strength.
0: Yeah. Huge gold there. Everyone pay attention and skip back a few 15 seconds and listen (laughs) to what Giovanni just said there. So... So often I feel like those things that are our greatest gifts are those things that we take for granted and it takes someone to show a mirror at us for us to realize the power of what we're really sitting on top of. So uh, like I said, I keep saying we'll get to that because there are a few other things I want to get to and then we'll go into the superpower stuff. But last, I'll I'll say last and then I'll probably come up with something else. But I'm tossing lots of dates out at you because I know uh, you mentioned lots of dates, but this one I think is really important. So Giovanni, what happened on March 27, 2008?
1: (laughs) Uh, So what happened leading up to that date? was my marriage, my first marriage ending and, uh, spiraling into a very deep depression and having panic attacks. So extreme, one of them, I thought it was a heart attack where I called nine one one had an ambulance come to my house and rush me to the hospital. Uh, and that led me to the current business at the time failing because I literally gave up. I, I felt hopelessness and on that day, and I'll give even more context because I usually don't share as much of the story. One of my clients at the time, so I was doing marketing consulting, and and one of my clients was Sony Pictures, uh, the the movie production company, and they would hire me. So Sony Pictures Canada would hire me to produce events in nightclubs to promote upcoming movies. So that by itself, that was a dream because I love movies and I love events. So doing that work was a dream. But at the same time, I was going through what I was going through, and that evening I had to promote, um, there was a movie called 21 with, uh, Kevin Spacey, where it was a bunch of university students who figured out how to cheat casinos. And I, I was producing an event for that movie that night. And it was four in the afternoon ish. And I was sitting in a Quiznos, um, sub shop in Toronto, downtown Toronto, staring out the window for three hours, contemplating if I should end my life because I, I just literally felt complete hopelessness. Um, And, uh, at the time I had never been drunk. I still haven't been drunk in my life. It's just a weird, interesting thing about me, but that, but I've always been around alcohol and that, that's why, um, my nickname, by the way, growing up was Johnny angel, because I would run parties. I would be in nightclubs my whole life. And at the time, no drugs, no alcohol, nothing. So I thought that night for the first time ever, I'm going to get completely blissed. I'm going to drink everything. I have unlimited access to alcohol. I don't have to pay for it, so for the first time, I'm just gonna because I don't, I'm just gonna get drunk because I don't care. And I had a, a, an experience that night that kind of shifted everything and catalyzed where I had someone pay attention to me. This woman who came just tapped on my shoulder and said, "Hey, is this your event?" Right when I was about to order the first drink, and we had a cool conversation, and that led to um, friends seeing I wasn't. Well, and helping me out. and it was the lowest point ever that has been the takeoff point to now having like a dream life and and the most incredible relationship, the most incredible family, uh, the work I do is completely aligned and fulfilled, and that was like the the pivotal point.
0: That's so beautiful. You got that tap on the shoulder. And fun fact, I don't think I've ever shared this on the podcast either. I have also never been drunk. So it's not that often that I meet someone else that (laughs) part of it is that I'm actually allergic. I took a 23 and me test and I get, I have the Asian flush. (laughs) It doesn't take much. Like I will have one drink and you can tell I've had one drink, but, uh, there you go. Some fun fact for everybody listening that probably didn't know about me either. So, (laughs) Love, love that you had that moment that just kind of stopped you in the traction, set you in the trajectory that you're on right now. So let's kind of maybe wrap up this section by talking a little bit about your experience with the real estate world, and then what led you into Archangel, and then we can dive into all the incredible stuff you're doing with Archangel.
1: So after that point, uh, I was still doing marketing consulting, and one of my clients was in the real estate space, and I helped them uh, blow up uh, like really succeed in their business. And then they said, well, my real estate commissions are way higher than your consulting fees. Why don't we partner up, stop doing the consulting. Uh, you do all the marketing, I'll do all the sales and, uh, we'll build something really big. And I did, and this is, um, in 2009 and I got licensed to be in the real estate space and the two of us, uh, and then eventually with some more partners built this huge business selling, uh, condo investments to investors in Toronto. Uh, and I was responsible for about 200 million in condo sales in like six years. So I did really well and secretly couldn't stand it. I never liked it. I, the, the decision to do it was because I wanted to pay bills and make money. And that even that decision wasn't aligned with me, but I didn't understand that. So I was being featured in magazines, winning awards, being at the top of these lists and being depressed again gaining a lot of weight, just not happy at all. But how do you explain to people that you are making uh, good money, winning awards, and getting all these accolades and not liking it? It was weird. I couldn't really explain that to people. But the the cool thing about it was that it afforded me the chance to invest in myself and start joining uh, mastermind groups and, and coaching programs and uh, communities and personal development kind of stuff. And as part of that, it kind of, it was like teenage me all over again because I, I was attending dance parties and thought I can do this. And I was attending conferences and mastermind events and business things. And I thought I can do that. So the, the one thing I felt that was missing at the time was being around people like me where it wasn't all about money and how did we make more money? And it wasn't all about, uh, a cause, like a nonprofit mission driven thing. It was a hybrid of both. It's like, how do we make a ton of money to make a big impact? So I thought I need to be around people like that. And I started building community for myself. It's what I needed. And that's how Archangel was born in 2014. And then we started doing events once a year as a side thing to my real estate business. Uh, the Archangel thing took off so much that by 2016, I had to quit real estate. It felt like Um, the analogy I like to give is that real estate was the marriage of convenience where I was really depressed and Archangel was my soulmate and seeing the contrast or feeling the contrast was so painful that I, I had to quit real estate. And then I went all in on this project. We started doing our big event in 2016, uh, with 1500 people and everything's sort of blossomed and, uh, blown up since then. So it's been a wild journey.
0: That's beautiful. Such a cool journey, and I'm super excited to dive into the world that you've built as a result of the Archangel community. So we've alluded to this a bunch. We've talked about finding your superpower, and you are what I would call the real-life Dr. Xavier, and that must be cool <laughs> to know that you have that title now, <laughs> because you have a community of, of gifted people that you lead. So I want to kind of dive into this, this subject of finding your superpower, but I thought a fun place to start would actually be, from my research, I found one of your favorite documentaries. It's called Finding Joe? Did, yes. did I, maybe I screwed that up. And they, they start in the very beginning about the story of the temple of the golden Buddha. And so I think this actually sets us in the right direction, this tone. So would you mind telling us the tale of the temple of the golden Buddha?
1: First first of all, thank you for doing your research. <laughs> uh, Finding Joe. I'll say that Finding Joe is my favorite documentary ever that I didn't make. <laughs> and the, the person who made it, his name is Pat Solomon. He's now a really good friend and he's amazing. And the the movie is about Joseph Campbell and the hero's journey. So Joseph Campbell was a mythologist uh, who studied every myth, every story, every religion and and discovered a common pattern in all the biggest ones that he calls the hero's journey. And uh, the, the movie or the the finding Joe film begins with this story about uh, a little village that had a giant, Statue that was made out of gold, a statue of Buddha that was made out of gold, and discovered that um, a neighboring village was going to attack them. So they covered the statue with mud and and leaves and just stuff enough to hide it, so that when they were attacked, uh, it wouldn't be pillaged or stolen. And they were attacked, and then uh, time passed, where those villagers completely forgot about the statue. And then one day, one of them was. Uh, walking through the woods and a piece of mud fell off and underneath there was a shimmer of gold and they thought, wait, what is this? And did a little digging and realized there was this golden statue under all the mud. And the the moral of the story or the, the I guess, parable of it is that we are all that golden Buddha and we're all covered with mud. And that mud is our experiences. It's our, our pain, our trauma, our journey, and underneath is the truth. And sometimes it's not about adding to yourself. Uh, it's about subtraction. It's about washing, literally washing off the mud, or maybe taking off the mask that you're wearing and to to reveal your true self or your higher self. And we all have that capability. And part of that is what is the hero's journey. So I'll, I'll give you, by the way, uh, I'll use the word exclusive because I don't think I've talked about this too publicly yet. Our next film, uh, because we've produced a film, our, our second film is called hero. And it's a, it's about the fact that we are all on our own hero's journey. So we're, we we just started production on that.
0: That's exciting. I'm so excited for that. I can't wait to watch. And it's funny. Cause I've heard this analogy also with David's Michelangelo, like it started out as a massive slab of, marble, you know, it wasn't from adding, it was from subtracting that you eventually found the David inside and so I think it's just a beautiful analogy because it's like maybe this podcast for you listening right now today is a chunk of that stone falling off and maybe it is a shimmer maybe you're somebody that has uncovered a whole bunch of it already but Giovanni is someone I view as somebody that has done lots of the work in helping other people to uncover more of their gold and obviously you've gotten good at doing it yourself so um, inside of the first film that you mentioned Dreamer um, you one of your segments I'm going to read a quote that, that you say here but you talk Talk about how the current education model isn't set up for everybody. There are certain people that can thrive, especially if you're good at mesmerizing, and yet there's so much opportunity for the education model to be changed, to be disrupted, where focus can go more towards helping the younger people uncover and discover what their superpowers are and then building curriculum around that. So Just as the real life Dr. Xavier does in X-Men, you're helping people to do this. And so I'd love to dive in here and start at the beginning. If somebody's listening right now and maybe they haven't had the opportunity or haven't given themselves permission to dive into what their superpower is, what are some of the first steps that people can take to uncover that?
1: I think there are (laughs) what the comic book or superhero movie world would call Easter eggs. Easter eggs in your past, meaning clues. And I'll share some of mine or or experiences I've had that looking back had had revealed the clues. I just didn't understand it. Um, And some of them are really funny questions, but I think it's important to ask them. For example, what did you get in trouble for as a kid? Because often, uh, or probably for most of us, as we're growing up in our first 10 years of life, I believe, you know, we have zero filter. We are completely self-expressed because we don't know any different. We are ourselves. And it's, it's our environment that starts to shape us. And one of the things that happens is, is our parents or the adults in our life or even our friends um, or teachers start to dictate ideas based on their own experiences of what is supposed to be. So as an example... Um, maybe as a child you were very boisterous and loud, and you love to talk, and you were always told, "Keep quiet. You should be seen and not heard." Th- that kind of messaging, because our families are are the adults are trying to make us fit in to society, and part of that is important because fitting in means um, safety. So, uh, ten thousand hundred thousand years ago, if you weren't part of the tribe, you were dead. Like you, you, you lived with the protection of your community. If you were banished from the tribe or the community, a tiger was going to eat you. So we have this primitive encoding that safety happens in community. And part of that is fitting into the community. And yet as individuals, when we are self-expressed, we want to stand out. So there's this battle that happens of wanting to stand out and being told to fit in. And we, we still have that as we as we mature and get older, that, that is still there. So many of us act in accordance with how do we fit in. And yet secretly the desire is how do we stand out? And I think it's looking for those clues of what made us stand out as kids that maybe was suppressed, uh, dampened, um, or the light was turned off. <laughs> And for we all have these things, and I bet if you looked back, you can figure out some of them. And that, to me, is one of the first clues to figure this out. For me, literally, it was the phrase "stop dreaming." I would, I would daydream. I would always, uh, I, I imagine huge, cool things that I wanted to create, and uh, I did it all the time, and felt like it was a curse, and yet. Dreaming has become my superpower. Yeah. So we What's, all have this.
0: Yeah. And I, I know from my research too that you took the wealth dynamics quiz and yeah. the strengths finder and found out that hey, your number one strength is basically being a dreamer. Right. Exactly, <laughs> it's so funny. And, and, and this is the it's so funny whenever I talk, see the sequence of how guests end up lining up. But like I interviewed Mo Gaudet, uh the the founder, former chief business officer of Google X, and he wrote the book Solve for Happy." And he's just talking about how our brains are naturally wired to actually be negative, you know. And so and and then I had an interview with John Howard and he. He's a relationship expert where he talks about how we need to learn how to speak to our biology more effectively because we're trying to constantly figure out how we're safe. And then I have this conversation with you, and it's like we have been trained over the years to hide and to fit in. And it's just funny because now, now that we understand that, we have to make a very conscious effort to break away from what our biology has actually programmed us to for all these years. So I love that insight uh, and, and I think there's lots of homework that you can I was definitely that kid that was told to be quiet and here I am with a podcast and networking and communicating right. with people so that that's really funny but another one that you talk about is your superpower is next to your curse can you mind sharing a little bit more about that too
1: for sure I think sometimes the painful experiences we go through uh, unleash the gift and sometimes we need to go through them so being bullied uh, part of that was because we moved a lot. So I went to five different elementary schools. I was often the new kid. And when you're the new kid, uh, you, you always battle that, that need to fit in and to be liked. And, uh, the pain of being bullied and understanding that feeling of, of not fitting in or not being part of the group unleashed my desire to create a group where people felt like they fit in. So, I now teach people how to build communities. I now have the most awesome community. And it's based on the the idea that uh, of the pain that I went through. And I I think uh, often, especially if you're, let's say, entrepreneurial, one of the things we want to do is help people either avoid the pain we've been through or fast track through it. And you can actually build a thriving career or business doing that.
0: Yeah. There's a quote that has come up a bajillion times in the podcast, but I, I just, it just shows up so much. It's by Carl Jung. until you make the unconscious conscious, it will control your life and you will call it fate. And I think that examining some of the actually Neil has the whole behavioral mechanics model that he shared, but e- e- examining some of your external behaviors can lead you to actually go back and track some of the things that are your gift and then also doing that work to examine those, those curses that you've had in the past can also help have massive ramifications moving forward. So if uh, I also just want to make a really quick note here. If what we've been talking about is really interesting to you, you can go to Giovanni's site, archangel.cc, sign up for his free membership, and there's a whole bonus course that he has that walks you through all this stuff in depth. I went through it over the weekend, and it's fantastic. So I would encourage anybody that that's like, oh, the, I, I want to to go deeper go check that out um, I also wanted to take an opportunity because it's like you've, you've taught a lot of people about how to uncover your superpower but you have a unique perspective because you've been working on uncovering your superpower for some time now and you know as I've grown to understand it you never really quite understand it there's always another level another adaptation that you can add on top of it and so I thought this would be interesting is like if you can maybe share your earliest understanding of your superpower and what are some of the upgrades that you've seen over time so that people can maybe see and foreshadow what that's like as they go on this journey?
1: There, there are multiple ways to get to this place. There's not, I don't think one, one solitude purpose in life or one calling or one gift. Uh, it's all a journey. I, I use the word odyssey because I love that, that phrase like, or that word. And part of it is, things that light you up and things that come naturally and maybe, um, things you were born with. And at the same time, I believe that we all have the capability of impacting others and that impact is your gift. And you know, that's how we can all be gifted. And if you think of the definition of gift, it's something you give to somebody else. So that could be your story. It could be an expertise or a skill. It could be, um, experience. It could be relationship, but these are all the ways that we can be gifted. And I think part of it is tracking, um, not only what lights you up because sometimes we don't even know there's this, uh, analogy. It's hard to read the jar sorry it's hard to read the label of the jar you're in which means you need you need communication with other people to let you know when you're lighting up or to ask maybe people around you what do you rely on me for uh what lights up my face what topics of conversation or what things are we activities are we doing and then you need to experiment you need to try different things and see what fascinates you, what lights you up and start using those as clues.
0: Hmm. I love that pressure you just took off of everyone. Cause I think that's a common fallacy that you hear many people talk about is like that there's one calling, but many of the people that I've had conversations with, it's like it continues to evolve over time. And as you do the work, you can apply it in different contexts. So that's super beautiful. I wanted to maybe shift. So So let's say somebody does do the work or there's somebody that has in the work and they understand a little bit more about their gifts. Um, one of the things that you also talk about in, the, in this course that, I, that, that is also on, on your site is something called the dream lab. And so how do you take what your gift is and how do you then translate that into a vision that you can then share with other people and enroll people in your vision so that you can create a massive impact in the world. So I thought a, a great way to start talking about this concept is for you to share your dream, Giovanni. So tell us a little <laughs> bit about what, what the impact is that you're focused on creating.
1: Awesome question. And um, part of it is that it's constantly evolving, like you said. So the, the evolution of it, I think, is, is often based on environment, You know, we've all heard, I think we've all heard, there's a sort of cliche saying, you are the average of the five people closest to you. And part of what I'm always trying to do is surround myself with people who dream bigger than me to not only give myself permission to dream bigger, but to be inspired. And I think part of why I'm here is to do that for other people, is to give people hope and belief in themselves that they can dream bigger uh, and to showcase the stories of people who are dreaming bigger as, as a way of motivating and inspiring so many of us to, to create the change we want to create that starts with changing ourselves so that we can change the world. And part of what I've been thinking about lately is if you can identify things that you consider a gift or a superpower, what does it look like at the highest level? meaning I know that I'm awesome at connecting people and bringing people together. So what would it look like to bring everybody together? And that's the kind of thing I'm thinking about now on the highest possible scale. I have no idea what it could look like, but I feel like the only way to know that you're dreaming big enough is if it scares you. (laughs) And, uh, in the early days, things would scare me and scare doesn't need to be negative. It just means, uh, feeling excitement or fear that's outside of your comfort zone. And I think right now, part of what I want to do is amplify my voice and message to build a platform big enough that tells the stories of people in our community uh, that inspires millions of people. Like I, part of the whole movie thing is that I want to create a new genre of film called real life superhero movies. I'm all, I'm all about, the Superman and the Spider-Man. And I love that now they are the biggest box office hits in the world. However, I also believe that there are living humans that can become role models for so many of us because of the impact they're making. And I'd like to focus on sharing those stories. And I, you know, we know some of them, we know many of them. They're not household names. Uh, and yet they're impacting millions of people. Mm hmm.
0: Yeah, and I've mentioned this membership area. People are going to be like, okay, I'll check it out eventually. But go check it out seriously because another thing that's in there is Giovanni's uh, original documentary, the first one called Dreamer. And that features a ton of these kinds of stories that Giovanni's, ta- Giovanni's talking about. There's a story about this incredible woman. I'm not going to remember her name, but she doesn't. She was born without arms, and she became a pilot and was able to do all these incredible things. I think she's like a black belt or something like that. But like, there's l- tons of these, tons of these stories. And thank you so much for sharing. And I'm excited for that genre to be available because I think it makes it so much more accessible for so many people. Um, And that'll be really cool to see. I'm assuming that has to do with hero and stuff too. So let's see, let's say, let's say um, somebody wants to get better at sharing their, their dream. So we talked about your dream, but let's say somebody wants to start articulating their dream. What are some advice or some pieces of advice that you could give people that want to more impactfully share what they have so that they can enroll more people moving forward?
1: I think part of the answer to that question is uncovering why they don't. So
0: Mm.
1: Some of us um, have stopped thinking about the future altogether, and you know many of us are are living in this day to day environment where it's either because we want a dopamine hit or, or there's a lot of fear or whatever it is, so we get very distracted and we're not thinking about the future. Uh, we're not investing a lot of our present day time to think about the future. It's very much we we kind of stay in the day-to-day. And some of us are afraid to communicate our dreams if we have been doing this because of one of the biggest fears of the idea of what will people say or what will people think about me? So we don't share because we're afraid of repercussion. We're afraid of being told we're whatever, stupid, that's a stupid idea or um, what's wrong with you or anything negative that feels like a, a rejection. And because, again, we want to fit in, we uh, are afraid to talk about these things. I think part of the solution, and at least this is for me and for the people in in the community we've built, is to find a supportive community or a safe space to be able to start talking about these things. And it doesn't have to be your existing community uh, or existing family or peer group. Uh, I think one of the benefits of technology is that we can find and or build community digitally. Um, You know, you and I are not in the same room right now and yet we're having this conversation and there are probably people out there that would love to hear about your dream or love to help you figure it out. I know I would. So if I exist, there's more people like me Mm -hmm. and if it's, if it's in a specific realm of, uh, or or niche, or field, there's probably other people just like you who feel just as alone as you, who are just as afraid to talk about their thing, and you and them would become BFFs. You just have to find them.
0: Mm-hmm. I love the non-tactical answer because like you could give a tactical answer to do this framework, complete this thing, but if you don't under if you don't address the underlying fear of being able to articulate what it is to begin with, you're going to run into some issues. But I will say um as more of a tactical answer, my favorite uh exercise that Giovanni teaches in that framework is the dream lab framework where it, it walks you through basically bullet points where you articulate my dream is I believe right. I can help buy. So if, if you want a, a more tactical way of doing that, I, I would highly encourage that. So love that. So, so far, we, we've, you know, we talked about your story. We've talked about identifying your superpower. We talked about how to articulate your dream. And one of the other things that I think is really relevant to add on top of this is what you alluded to as one of your skill sets is how do you actually connect with other people and make that, you know, expand your dream or partner with other people to, Um, you know, do a a whole Dan Sullivan, who not how, Benjamin Hardy, who not how kind of a thing. Um, So um, I would love to maybe tap into some of your connection now. This is a topic that I'm super passionate about as well. And I actually listened to the interview that you did with Hal Elrod, and you talked about how you ended up building your relationship with Seth Godin. So I'd love for you to maybe start and share about how you built that relationship and we can dive into this topic.
1: Sure and uh, serendipitously or ironically i was chatting with ben hardy this morning
0: <laughs> oh we awesome talk,
1: talking about his next book that's coming out soon which is yeah epic um so the the seth godin story i have been all right uh, this is back in 2016 i was a huge fan of his forever i've read every one of his books since permission marketing and uh, idea virus in like 1999 that so you know he's had i think 20 number one Best-selling marketing books. And he's uh, a role model for me and a hero and a, uh, a mentor, but I didn't know him. I just knew his work. And when we were planning our big first big Archangel Summit event in 2016, I wanted him to be one of the speakers. And I thought, how do you pitch the best marketer in the world? You can't, you know, he's seen everything. He's done everything. He I don't think it's it's about money. like, I couldn't just say, I'll pay you a, a big ton of money. It's not about that for him. And I I needed to figure this out. And what I discovered, um, I call it having an aligned path, meaning every human on the planet is walking a path. We have a place where we are right now, and there's a bigger, better future that we want to get to. And if you can help someone get to their bigger and better future, you become valuable to them, no matter what it is, no matter who they are. And part of the key is figuring out where they are, where they want to be and where they may be stuck or what they need to get to where they are. And someone like Seth, who's super successful, very well known, what does Seth want? And what I discovered is that someone like him wants to know that his work matters so, uh, and the only thing I knew is that he checks his email, which I think is still insane, but he, he, like any email he gets, he checks. Um, so I sent him a cold email saying, uh, Seth, I'm one of your biggest fans. I'm sure you've heard that a million times and I've read all your books and I'm sure you've heard that a million times, but here's what you haven't heard a million times. I want to show you how I am a case study for your work and the results of me being a student of yours. And I laid it out like, um, Uh, permission marketing and, and purple cow. And this is what I built. And uh, I gave him the story and I said, all of this comes full circle to me being able to produce an event that's about to happen that only exists because of you and because I got to be your student. And I would love for this to come full circle for you to speak at the event. And his response was, how do I say no to this? (laughs) Um, so the, the idea is we can all ask for what we want, as long as we're giving the other person what they want first. And you have to do the homework of what the other person wants. You can't just say, Hey, what do you want? Because now you're putting the work on them. And so many people do that wrong, or they selfishly try to make it about them first, or they even sometimes hide it in the form of manipulation of like they're giving, but really they're asking for something. Um, I heard Gary V. Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk say this the other day, Someone called him and said, "Hey, I heard you're coming to my town. I'd love to pick you up at the airport and drive you to the, your your hotel to save you on the that time." And and he's like, "Yeah, you, you're pretending like you're giving, but what you really want is 30 minutes to pitch me your crap." Yeah. Right. So so it's it's being authentic in the giving and doing your own homework to figure out the other person's path. And if you can understand how to do that, you can literally get whatever you want. Because you're giving first.
0: Yeah, that's oh my gosh, so so good. I just want to plus one everything that you just said. That's that's so so cool. I want to ask you. I don't think I've asked this at anyone point blank, but I want to prove this point even more. You have a community uh, of people that are following you. Tons of people that respect your work. How often do you receive an email like the one that you sent, Seth?
1: Oh, very rarely. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So that, I mean, like, I, oh, sorry. I, just, I,
1: I get a ton of emails of people sharing their gratitude for, for, uh, how I've helped them. There's not usually, um, an invitation for something. So I hope people are paying attention because
0: yeah. <laughs> I'm happy. To, I just want to, yeah. I mean, I just wanted to hammer that in because it's like, i I feel like the first few times I heard this, I almost didn't believe it, but like, and this is, again, why I think this is part of my superpower too. It's like like the, the, how I got Mo Gaudat on the, on the show, I cold sent him an email. Like the, the former chief business officer of Google X and his mission is create one billion happy. I sent a very similar outreach to him that, that Giovanni said and how he's impacted my life, how his son has impacted my life. And it's just I've just heard so many stories of people's life changing. By being the one person that took the time to find out what's relevant, what's right. what's important to, them, and sharing the results, that's like the that's the huge thing. Is like so few people actually implement. So if you can package that and deliver that in a genuine way, uh, man, that that will unlock some massive stuff. And I love the whole aligned path. I think that helps people to understand. Just generally speaking, though, it's it's like some categories that I like to think about is like, what are some connections that I can make for someone? What are some resources I can provide them? Is that kind of what you're thinking as well? Or how? what kind Probably. of goes through your head when you go through like a checklist of how you can add value to some people?
1: That is definitely part of it. Um, okay. And going back, circling back to the, the whole gift thing, um, whatever your gift is for anyone listening or watching it is valuable to other people, even if you don't think it's valuable yourself. Sometimes we we have these self-worth challenges, and, and I'll share a very specific story that uh, um, exemplifies this. For a very long time, I wanted to launch a um, mastermind group, like a very high-level uh, community, membership-type community, of people who are more established, more successful, or have built something bigger than me, as a way of having them not only mentor me, but, but mentor each other. And I never launched it because I always had the, who am I thing? Who am I to lead a group of people like this? And, um, a few years ago I had this realization that people who are running, let's say large, let's say, um, eight or nine figure businesses, who are also change makers, where again, it's, they're aligned with my values and it's not just about the money. It's about the impact we're having. What do they need? And what is my gift that can help them using this aligned path concept? And what they need is, um, their time back. So if you can help someone who's really successful, get their time back that is way more valuable than most other things. And one of the challenges people like that have is uh, connection to other people like them. They're they always problem solvers. People always come to them with problems, and they're solving them. Who do they go to? And if you know, they, they crave peers. They crave people like them to talk to, but they're not connectors like me. So my gift and superpower of curation and connection and community building solves their problem. And uh, I like to say this phrase, uh, and and the group is called Archangel Council. Um, It's uh, one of the masterminds I run. The the membership is 50,000 a year to be a member of this thing. And most of the members have built something bigger than me. And what I like to say is that they don't care that they're ahead of me. They only care that I can get them ahead. Mm -hmm. And that's because of my gift. And that's the value exchange. And I think we all have that capability of of even thinking about that. It's like, um, how can you get others ahead using your gift? Even if they're ahead of you.
0: Okay, so this goes directly into something I wanted to cover. Talk about the four currencies.
1: Yep. So uh, in the past, I think, I don't know, 10 years, I've, I've always... Uh, I, I, one of my gifts is connection, but it 's also pattern recognition so i'm always trying to find through lines of things and i've been in uh, awesome networks and communities of very successful entrepreneurs, and i'm always like what what is the common what are the commonalities of all these people they're all from different industries but what and what's the common path that they all took and this four currencies model is is what I think is the path, and it it starts with the currency of time. So for anyone just starting off in the world, uh, let's say you want to, one day you dream of building something, a business or something, the currency in most abundance is time, even if you don't think you have it, especially, and the younger you are, the more of this currency you have and the more you don't value it because you don't understand how limited, um, scarce it is. It's one of the only scarce currencies, but you can trade your time for the next currency, which is your gift. And you can then trade your gift for money. And often that looks like people uh, trading time for money as well. So you might be an artist, a coach, a service provider, or someone who has an hourly rate. And the more you harness your gift, the more valuable it becomes, the more you can charge. But at some point you run out of time and you've deepened your gift. You can then trade your gift for relationships, And that's the the key that I've seen that a lot of people don't understand. Where if you look at anyone who's built uh, something really successful, they didn't do it alone. They had peers, they had a team, they had people around them, they had community that um, lifted them up. And that's how anyone who has a a successful program, a successful book, uh, YouTube channel, whatever it is, no one does these things alone. We all have some kind of community. And then you can trade your relationship currency or relationship capital for reputation. And that's how you build personal brand. And it starts with time, gift, relationships, reputation. And those are, to me, the four currencies that we can all invest in over time to build something really big and create a lot of impact.
0: Yeah. So as you listen to this right now, identify which of those currencies you have the most right now that you could leverage to help other people on their journeys, and how can you help people on their aligned path based on your superpower, based on your currency? All brilliant stuff. So I think right now we're starting to kind of enter into the world of how we can begin to apply some of the stuff that you're doing at Archangel. The Four currencies was a huge one that I wanted you to share. So thank you so much for sharing that. Another one that I found that I think is brilliantly articulated that is very valuable for, for people is what you call a predictable promise. I've heard this articulated in many different ways, but would, would love for you to share about the predictable promise and how people could leverage that um, to, to to grow their business wherever they're at.
1: Well, I think if you are in business, if you're an entrepreneur uh, and you want to grow, one of the things that causes um, anxiety is sometimes what people would say or call sales. I'll just use that word in quotes, uh, even though I think everyone is, everyone is in sales, no matter what role you're in, what industry you're in, we all uh, need to influence others' thoughts, behaviors um, to, to create impact. But part of the challenge is that um, to to create more confidence for yourself as you're growing your business, you need to make your buyer feel safe. And you also um, need to make you feel safe in that equation. And part of the way to do that is to create predictability around the outcomes that you can create. So if you know you can make a promise that you can keep and that comes true, your, um, confidence builds. And by building capability, by building, um, predictability around the transformations you can make your value increases. And that means your price can increase. So I think one of the areas that we can all focus on is creating what I call a predictable promise. And creating a transformational story or a success story for your clients that you can repeat over and over again. And part of the cool thing about all this is that the transformation becomes your brand and you become known for that. And uh, it makes scaling a business way easier.
0: One of the bullets I took notes on in this section was you mentioned the most effective way to start a relationship is by offering a transformation. And I love that. And I think it helps us all to get clear on what that predictable promise is. And then I think as you talk about in the the other levels of your program, it's not only client facing, but how can you create a form of predictable promise that's internally facing? Like what is the, the playbook, the roadmap that you can actually create inside of your business that helps you to create the entire outcome for other people? So there's multiple layers to this, which... I love all of it. And I love how high up you think when it comes to constructing stuff. So that's super cool. And another one of your gifts that I've just seen in in going through your work. Another thing I wanted to talk about, okay, so let's say we have a predictable promise and we're starting to grow and we want to increase the amount that we're charging or the value that we're providing for other people. You talk about some ways that we can increase price and value. One of them is something that you call we're in this together. Would you mind sharing how we could use that?
1: Sure. So... Again, in an effort to create buyer safety, but also uh, a framework around being able to raise your rates, in, even if you're uncomfortable around it. Because I think there's always a confidence equation and you uh, and a comfort zone equation. And you have to build your comfort zone as you're building your confidence around these things. And um, to give a sort of contextual example of this... Let's say um, I have a program that is $2,000, and I want to raise it to $4,000. And you're, Brandon, someone new to my world, you're interested in working with me, and we're having a, a, an enrollment-type conversation where I want you to hire me at the new rate of 4000 and I'm comfortable charging 2000 So what I would say is, Brandon, I'd love to work with you. I want to help you create this very specific outcome or result which is the predictable promise um it's four thousand dollars for this program however here's what i want to do because i think you're awesome or you were referred by neil to me or whatever the reason is Um, invest two thousand dollars as a deposit work with me and only pay me the balance after you've achieved the outcome so that we're in this together And the 2000 deposit is what you're comfortable charging anyways. And then you as the seller or the entrepreneur um, are way more invested in creating the outcome because now it allows you to raise your rates. And you can do that enough times where now you're confident at the new level and you're creating more value and you're more valuable and you have more expertise and you have more success stories Mm -hmm. and you can keep building in that way.
0: Love that. Yeah. There's, and I, somebody that I study a lot is Jay Abraham. Uh, you know, he's got, got all of his books. He talks a lot about strategic risk reversal, which is incredible. Anybody else that's also interested in this topic, we had Tom Matson on. He talks about some of his strategic risk reversal that he's doing as well. But I think that's such a brilliant and beautiful way to create a relationship with someone that it's like you're charging what you are initially comfortable with charging. But if you can actually develop a relationship where you can deliver on that promise, everybody's even happier and it, it still creates that security and all that incredible stuff. So, so that's one way. Oh, go ahead. Go super ahead you.
1: quick. Uh, you mentioned, you know, the free membership on my site when mm-hmm. you're in there in our archangel campus that i like to call it um Jay abraham i interviewed him at one of my events watch that replay it is the most mind bending mind-blowing conversation and all it's all him um uh, i kind of navigated it and he's he's so damn smart and such a genius around marketing and, and strategy and business building uh that I, you have to watch it three times <laughs> it's just so good
0: Jay, yeah, since we're on this topic, I've never met Jay, but but like he has the biggest vocabulary you will <laughs> ever come across, ever. Like the, the words that he uses in one sentence is just astonishing. So since we're on this topic, yeah, hi, go check out that resource. I'll make sure to do that. But also if you go to Abraham, Jay Abraham's site, one of my favorite books by him is Getting Everything You Can out of All You've Got. And also on his site, he's got a whole bunch of stuff. So I always like to study, you know, there's there's so much noise out there as to who to learn from and who to study from. And sometimes I like to study, it's like, who are the people that are out there from today and who did they learn from? And are those people still around? Like, how do you yes. go back to first principles? I know uh, <laughs> another thing I had is a, something for, maybe we can actually just take this detour, but direct response. I know you talked about like one of the people you learned from was Dan Kennedy. You, if you go pick up a copy of Eugene Schwartz's book, Breakthrough Advertising, yep. you know, something that almost, you, you talk about the higher circles, most people have read this book, but most people, if you talk about Breakthrough Advertising, like, what the heck is that? Brian Kurtz owns the rights to that, and I think that he can republish it. You can buy yeah. this book uh, on his site; it's like a hundred bucks. But if you try to find one of the original copies on eBay, it's like seven, eight hundred, nine hundred bucks, or something like that. But, anyways, since I want to take this detour, we're, we're still on the price and value stuff. But talk a little bit about your experience with direct response and some of the things that that's led to you and your your life and in your business.
1: Uh,
0: <laughs> I've had it's this A loaded f- one.
1: No, no, I, I I will answer the question. I've just had this. F- fun thing in my head for years to create like a, a direct response family tree, just try to source all the way to the, (laughs) I I feel like it it may start somewhere with like the David Ogilvy era of, of ad agency. But, um, uh, I've been, I've always asked people like one of my good friends now is Dean Jackson, who's a incredible marketer. And then I was like, who did you learn from? And I, I, I'm, you know, there's, um, uh, so what I'm looking for there there are generations of of yeah. marketers and they keep going back and back in time and so I'm I'm always curious about this I my first experience with all of this so um, in terms of origin story uh, from 2002 to 2005 the last job I ever had was running the marketing at a company called strategic coach uh, which is run by uh, a guy named Dan Sullivan who's like super genius at, at, uh, entrepreneurial coaching. And when I was there, I met someone named Joe Polish, who's one of the clients who's also another awesome marketer. And, uh, Joe saw my passion for marketing and I'll never forget this in 2004. He said, Hey, there's this conference happening in, uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, if you can get yourself there, I'll, I'll cover your ticket and you can be my guest. And, uh, so I, I spoke to, the company, I said, this is this would be so good for me to go to this marketing event. I had no idea what it was. I just it, Joe was inviting me, and I thought this would be a cool opportunity. So I go down to Scottsdale, and it turns out it was a Dan Kennedy um, Renegade event. There was, I think, two thousand people, and it was my first foray or, or exposure to direct response. And I was literally with it was like a every superhero of that world was there. I just didn't know any of them and I was still too young to get it. (laughs) So I was just like, I'm just going to enjoy this experience and, and watching and listening to all the talks and uh, being Joe's guest, he was just basically connecting me to and introducing me to all these epic humans. I still didn't know half of them, but that, that exposure led me down this path that had, that has changed my life. And, and, getting really good at marketing myself and just being around people. And that's why I think environment and exposure and experimentation is so important with, with everything. But I, it was mind blowing. Yeah. And that was 2004.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It, 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 it makes me mad that direct response isn't more a part of the conversation because I think that's one of those first principle skill sets that it just has massive implications on almost all of your thinking. Like every, it's like when I journal, I journal and copy, like <laughs> I use bucket brigades and, and all that good stuff. in my copy, you know, it's just like, it, it's anyway, some, it's some gibberish to people, but I would highly encourage anybody listening, go check out some of those resources that we just mentioned. Some of Dan Kennedy stuff. If you search him, Joe Sugarman's got some incredible stuff. I don't know if you've, you've met Joe. Well, Joe, Joe so you I mind? met
1: Joe Sugarman at the Dan Kennedy event.
0: Did you? Okay. I, you I met a, him. Go I ahead.
1: Crazy. So, um, in 2012, I joined Joe Polish's group Genius Network at my very first event um, and I was the, the, the level of imposter syndrome I had that day was off the charts. but uh, my very first event it was New York August of 2012 um, on the second day, uh, and they tell you where to sit right so they'll say, okay uh, Giovanni, you're at table 42 and you, you go to table 42 and there's your name tag so that's your chair. I sit down at table 42. I looked to my right and right beside me, Joe Sugarman. And I'm like, oh my, I'm going to have, like he was another hero of mine for years because I met him in 2004. I bought his books, studied his stuff and thought this guy's awesome. And at the, you know, I think he was, I don't know at the time, like worth hundreds of millions because of all the stuff he's done. And um, there was a speaker on stage. uh, I think there were 10 minute talks. And then Joe Polish said, okay, now you have two minutes each to pick a partner at your table and share your notes and what you learned. And you know, one person goes first and then the other person goes. So I said, I'll go first because Joe Joe Sugarman was my partner. I'll go first. I'll fly through my stuff so fast because I want him to talk. (laughs) I'm like, this is almost embarrassing that I have to do this. So I'm reading my notes that I took and then I look over and Joe's taking notes of what I'm saying. And I was like, holy... And I had this revelation that the reason he is who he is and people like that um are so successful is because they're they're a lifelong student they they learn from everyone they they respect everyone there's no such thing as hierarchy or in that context or like pedestals or he was learning from me and i, I i'm still emotional from that experience cuz um i now recognize how important that is
0: mm-hmm. That's such a beautiful, beautiful story. Uh, so it's I'll, I'll just share really quickly. It's like I see so many commonalities in, in the path that I followed and some of the things that you've experienced. But I think the first time we met, I shared a little bit. We talked about a line path, how I – got my start is I found somebody named Jonathan Levy. I admired his path and I reached out to him and I'm like, here are all the things I can do to add value to you. I want to work on this project. I don't want to charge for it. Um, And that turned into me running his marketing. And then I ended up working with superhuman Academy. Jonathan got into genius network. And then that's when he brought me along to genius network. And I was the 22 year old kid at genius network. And who sat next to me, Benjamin Hardy on my left (laughs) (laughs) at my first media genius and Kevin Thompson on my right. And that was, that was just such an incredible example. And I briefly briefly, briefly met joe sugarman but in that interaction joe has this hilarious story about the batman cards have you heard have you seen the he like he like overprinted Of tons of batman cards so i have one of joe sugarman's batman cards but anyways uh side super side tangent but i love love that insight of 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 super high level people are always learning always taking notes and it is so easy to get caught up in having conversations with people and worrying about what the value is that you can provide but if you just show up as yourself as the gifts that we've been talking about this whole time that is a, a beautiful contribution that you can make no matter where you are. So, um, thank you for that detour. That was, that was a lot of fun. Let's go, let's go back to some of the price and value increases really quick. Cause I think this is a, a, a very actionable thing that people can take as well. Um, so we talked about the, uh, the, we're in this together about how you can increase your price by putting some of the responsibility on you to deliver. Another one that you talk about is the million dollar check. Would you mind yeah. sharing that sure. strategy?
1: I love playing this game with people. Um, now, since you know it, it won't have the same effect. But I'll I'll play it with you anyways for the for the audio. Oh, sorry,
0: I ruined the punchline. <laughs> no, 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 you
1: didn't, you didn't, you didn't. Um, so I'll I'll start by saying, if I wrote you a thousand dollar check and there's no tricks or gimmicks, it's gonna clear. Would you pay me one hundred dollars for that thousand dollar check? And the person yes. I'm talking to usually thinks and like, yeah, that makes sense. And then I'll say, okay, well, what if I wrote you a ten thousand dollar check? Would you pay me a thousand dollars? And the answer is usually yes. And then I say, if I wrote you a million dollar check, would you pay me a hundred thousand dollars? And it's usually an instant. Yeah, of course it's a no brainer. And then I'll, 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 joke and say, yeah, but a hundred thousand, that's so much money. Where are you going to get it? And the, the moral of the story is that when you are, uh, uh, a business owner, entrepreneur, anyone who charges for things, we're so hyper-focused on the price tag of what we're charging We don't think about the amount on the check, meaning the value exchange or the perceived value from the people we want to help. And if the thing that they want is worth a million dollars to them, they will gladly pay a hundred thousand. And, uh, you know, valuable lesson I've learned on my journey is people will do whatever it takes to pay for what they want. Now it doesn't mean you have the liberty of just charging a very high number for something you, ha- there has to be a dealt, like there has to be, um, a perceived distinction between what they are paying and what they are receiving. And then what they are receiving has to be way more valuable than what they are paying. And as long as that equation exists, it'll feel like a no brainer. And instead of ask, so I have a lot of conversations around pricing. It's like, how do I price my thing? Um, and this is part of it, right? The, it's not about th- the price tag is one part of the equation. It's the amount on the check that's even more important. And if, and that becomes the predictable
0: promise. So cool. Okay, and it's super, super valuable for everyone to think about what is your outcome that is the equivalent of the million-dollar check, and how can you trade that with your predictable promise and all these things that we've talked about today. So just because uh, we're talking about copyright, and you can't end on two. You have to go to three, and then you have to jump to five. You can't leave on four or six. So so we we talked about we're in this together as a way to add price and value, and we talked about the million-dollar check. Another one that you talk about to help increase your prices is the success story, question. And I think this is brilliant. I'd never heard of this before. Would you mind sharing that one?
1: Yeah. So the, um, uh, I always like to think about, um, laying the foundation for the predictable promise. And I believe, let me, let me go on a bit of a tangent, but it's important for this, uh, story. So much emphasis in the marketing or entrepreneurial world, internet marketing world, whatever you want to call it, is on acquiring a new customer or client. So marketing means advertising or lead gen or those kinds of things or building a funnel or whatever that is. I actually believe so much more attention needs to be placed on what happens after someone pays you around the outcome, the transformation and and creating um, or developing transformational stories, like success stories and those stories become the best marketing and those transformed clients become your sales force because they want to talk about their story and those stories are the most important thing and collecting those stories are the most important thing so this question or or any variable of the question is around what has to happen for you to consider yourself a success story for me and and start laying the foundation of literally writing those stories from the beginning of the relationship and then telling the stories afterwards.
0: And that's also a brilliant customer discovery question. Like if you use that earlier on and you're looking for finding out maybe some things that they respond to are things that you hadn't even considered in the beginning. And you can integrate that into making your offer even more powerful. So here's one one quick tip on that. Um,
1: When you start working with someone, if you start asking questions like that, and then you can even ask them, um, what do you think will be the biggest obstacles that could prevent this or prevent you from becoming a success stories, listen to their language and whatever they say becomes the most epic copy for your landing page for that program or for that thing you're offering because it's in their words, right? So, um, if you're if you're writing a sales page for a product or a program or whatever it is, you can say, this is my promise to you. And, um, you can use the language of how they, dictated what a success story looks like. And then you can also say, and I know you might be worried about, or whatever the language is, and then talk about how they think they're not going to become a success story. Mm -hmm. And use the language and the words literally said by your existing clients to attract more awesome people like them to you.
0: There you go. Add that on top of the insight. If you haven't explored direct response, how do you – that? that's exactly what we're talking about is how to pull out that knowledge, that insight, turn that into sales page. And since we talked about Joe Sugarman, he talks about this concept of a slippery slide. What is the goal of the headline? It's to get you to read the first line. The goal of the first line is to get you to read the second line and so on and so forth until you end out slip, slipping out the bottom of the slippery slide. So that is a great way to develop content that can be used inside of those sales letters and all that good stuff. So this has been such an incredible conversation, Giovanni. Thank you so much for sharing all your beautiful stories, all your insights. Um, I have one question that I like to kind of conclude on, uh, and then we'll find out more about how we can explore your world as we talked about. But the the question I'd like to ask many of my guests is, what does happiness mean to you today, Giovanni?
1: whoa hmm I think happiness is a an output and not an input meaning instead of making happiness the goal um happiness is the byproduct of fulfillment so I think um When you're on your path and you are living as your truest self or highest version of you or even working towards your future self, whatever that looks like, happiness is the byproduct of being aligned to that path.
0: Hmm. I love you and in Neil's – you you're very similar Demeter to Neil because he had the same reaction. He's like, hmm, let me think about that. And then he just spits out nuggets of gold, very similar nuggets of gold from, from Giovanni. I love the output, not the input. It's like falling in love with the journey, falling in love with the process, and that is actually what leads you to um, a, a more fulfilled and happy life every second of the way instead of chasing uh, – horizon that that is something that is going to kind of keep being in the future happiness can be right now in the process so thank you so much for sharing that giovanni where can people find out more about you? you've already mentioned a few times archangel.cc. you can yeah. take the dream builder course that we've talked about you can listen to the j abraham stuff that's on there you can watch the dreamer documentary i've explored all that stuff except for the j abraham stuff so great resource besides that where else can people find out about the stuff that you have going on
1: if you are listening to this or watching this, um, reach out to me first on Instagram at geo and DM me and I will say hello. And I want to know that you've heard this and maybe tell me what was one nugget or, or tip that you learned in this conversation that impacted you, because that would be meaningful to me. Uh, and my new show, The Gifted Show, uh, I would check that out on YouTube or anywhere you can listen to podcasts. Um, but for sure, check out YouTube because what we're doing visually is, is pretty fun. Um, I don't want to give too much away, but it's episodic and it's going to be a fun journey. So check that out. The gifted show.
0: Super excited to check that out myself, and I just want to have a quick conversation with you listening right now, and I wanted to say if you are new, you could be listening to any other podcast in the world, but you decided to listen to the one, the only Mr. Giovanni today, and you've learned some of his insights that I've been able to learn as well, so super excited to have you here, and if you're returning, I also want to say thank you. I say this every single week, but you are absolutely what makes this possible. I truly appreciate you, and whether you're new or returning, the favor I always ask is if you were listening today and you heard Giovanni story of sitting in a Quiznos and not knowing what he wanted to do moving forward, or maybe you picked up a valuable insight on the Buddha on how to chip something off from the Buddha and find your superpower, or maybe it was something about how to increase the value of your price. These are things that can absolutely change people's lives. My life has absolutely been changed from the power of podcasts. So it would make my day. It would make Giovanni's day if you shared this with someone, but whether you choose to do that or not, I appreciate you for listening and Giovanni, thank you so much, my friend. Any final words you want to conclude on?
1: Oh, wow. I, I, I believe we are all gifted and I think, um, I'll leave you with one of my favorite quotes ever, which is sometimes attributed to Picasso, sometimes to Shakespeare. No one knows where it came from, but the, the quote is that the, the meaning of life is to find your gift and the purpose of life is to give it away. And I think that's why we're all here. And, um, I want anyone listening or watching to realize they're gifted and to find their gift, give it away.
0: So beautiful. Thank you so much, Giovanni. And I look forward to continuing the conversation, my friend.
1: Thank you.